1: Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans, and welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your podcast. My name is John Boccasino. I have been with you as the host of this podcast since our inception, and our colleague and esteemed co-host Jamie D'Amico is going to join us in a second. We are getting you ready. Man, hard to believe with all the uncertainty and the new normal that we're living in right now of the coronavirus Uh, the novel COVID-19 that has really turned the sports world and and our daily lives on its ear. But the draft, the NFL draft, is actually taking place this week. Now, there is some precedent. The WNBA had a successful draft over the weekend, and I guess things went off relatively smoothly. So the NFL is going to look to follow suit. Of course, there's a lot at stake uh, with the seven-round draft coming up. Uh, It's going to be Thursday. It starts off. The Bills do not have a pick on day one unless they do the highly improbable scenario of trading back into the first round, which I just don't see happening. But we will get to – we want to set the table for you. Um, We have a really fun podcast, we feel, for you guys coming up here. We're going to talk about what we think our perfect or ideal draft is for the Buffalo Bills. And before I go any further, this is not – who we think the interior lineman that Buffalo is going to take with pick 188. This is more what we think will have to happen for the bills to be successful on draft night. And we're going to go into some players that we like uh, both Jamie and myself that we hope Buffalo takes at pick 54 or pick 86. I uh, will give you a little bit of a tease for that, but there's a great podcast with Anthony Marino breaking Buffalo rumblings that is going to do a massive marathon pod, um, breaking down all of the players that they like, Listen to them. They'll have a great take on this. We are a little bit more casual. We're going to talk about some positions of need. We're going to identify a couple of players we feel the Bills should go after for sure with those early picks. And we're going to talk about the trust that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have built up, whether they have that trust or where that trust might be needing some improvement so far during their first several drafts here in Western New York. And on that note, I want to bring in Jamie D'Amico, our longtime colleague and co host of this fine podcast. And Jamie, Happy draft week to you, man. You know, the uh the holiday season song,
0: it's the most wonderful time of the year. That tends to be how I feel about the draft when it's coming up, because, you know, I'm not a guy who studies college football players. I, I couldn't tell you, like you said, who's going to be on the board at 188 and who they should be picking. But I, I feel like I educate myself through the draft. I, I, ever since I was little, I sat there by the hour watching it, and I absolutely love seeing the highlights and learning about the new players and seeing what GMs are doing in order to build their rosters. I just love the NFL draft. And, you know, since they've gone to this format where they break it down over the course of four days, It's just fantastic. It allows me to really absorb it and it gives the fans a much better overall experience. I don't know if you remember back when they would be in that room in Madison Square Garden and they would just charge through 12 rounds starting on a Saturday and going into a Monday and it was really dry, but hey, they still had the helmet phones on the desks.
1: Weren't those the coolest thing in the whole world? I remember being a little kid and seeing that helmet phone and just wanting one so badly. I loved you know, the Bill's logo back then. I really thought it was a sharp look, and I thought that was a really cool thing to have. Uh, of course, my parents never gave in and, and purchased the overexpensive yeah. helmet phone, and of course, it's caused traumatic uh, stress for myself thinking back on what could have been. But alas, we will power through here on Bill believe and, and Jamie, with it being a virtual Draft and everything is going virtual, and I feel very comfortable. You know that Brandon Bean will have the best technology available uh, for himself, and he's going to do everything to speed up the Wi-Fi and put maybe some, you know, signal amplifiers in his house to make sure that he's got all the strength he needs to make, uh, make his picks. But what are you planning on doing for uh, for the draft? How are you going to celebrate? It looks like if you can go based on past drafts. Buffalo, again, has a pick number 54 in the second round, which would be Friday night, which the second round starts around seven o'clock Eastern on Friday. Based on previous precedent, which, again, this is all uncertain because we've never had a draft like this. But um, the Bills, we're looking at around a 927 um, estimated pick time. If you go on every team taking the maximum of seven minutes to make their pick. So
0: and no trade put us
1: into the future. Oh absolutely and and no trades that are slowing things down or any sort of technical problems but you know assuming things go off without a hitch which I I doubt they will I'm sure there'll be some bugs along the way how are you going to be watching the uh, the Bills virtual draft
0: well since there isn't much of a choice in the matter I'm going to be in my living room with a uh, an ice cold frothy one sitting at my side and I'm going to have my buddy Big Chris on speed dial because Well, I guarantee you, he and I are going to be talking all the way through because he, uh, well, he uh, sat in for you for one episode and I have yet to
1: meet. Yeah, there was the Offensive Line podcast. You guys did a great job with that
0: one. Oh, thanks. I have yet to meet a bigger sports fan. So if there's anybody that I'm... You know, gonna probably be communicating with it's gonna be him, either talking him off the ledge or celebrating with him one one of the two,
1: yeah, no, that's great to to hear you guys will be able to reconnect. and I think a lot of people are fighting creative times to uh, to come together. Um, the people that I do the season tickets with, we're gonna do a zoom uh, session on Thursday and get together and and have some fun commentary. we we actually went back. My, I give. I got to give my buddy Ben a lot of credit. I know he listens to the podcast. Uh, he started doing the NFL Game Pass watching of old Bills games. And uh, we wanted to, we were, they, we were talking about, um, at least I was I was thinking about the one-hit wonders that have come through the Buffalo Bills over the last, you know, 10 years. And appropriately enough, uh, Ben, the first game that we all got together and watched was the Buffalo Bills' last-second comeback win over the Minnesota Vikings when Kyle Orton hit Sammy Watkins in the corner of the end zone with, like, two seconds left. And Uncle Rico and Kyle Orton, the Buffalo Bills, got to 9-7 and seven that year. And they were the NFC North champions with Bakari Rambo and... That game he picked off Aaron Rodgers, uh, the mythical Bakari Rambo game at Ra- at Ralph Wilson Stadium. You know, such a great time going through some of those games out there. We're actually going to get together and do a Zoom and uh, and and mostly just to watch. Even though the Bills aren't picking, to kind of watch the draft itself and get together and see, you know, just what it's like to have a virtual draft. And then Friday we'll get together and uh, actually get the popcorn ready for what Buffalo is going to do at pick fifty four and. You know, it should be a lot of fun just to have some sports talk to actually focus on, you know, given the fact that there's really, it's been gr- to a grinding halt since the coronavirus.
0: You know, you brought up a fantastic topic because undoubtedly there's going to be glitches with this. And before we started recording here, you said something's going to go wrong. Which team is it most likely to go wrong for? And man, I I love that topic. I've got I've got some thoughts on that. What do you
1: think? So the, the reason I started thinking about this was you know that there's – yeah, there's going to be something that's going to go wrong. There's going to be something where like um, the Wi-Fi crashes or – you know, I don't know. Something goes wrong where the team loses. It's it's draft board. A file crashes, and they're left to make a pick. Kind of like when you do your fantasy football draft, and you've got all that prep in front of you, and then somebody takes the guy right before you that you were thinking about, and you didn't plan for anybody else, and you're scrambling last minute. Not that that's ever happened to me personally, of course, from previous fantasy football experiences, but.
0: <laughs> but you
1: know, what's going to go happen. You know, it's going to go bound to go wrong. I don't know if we're going to get a situation like we did in, I believe it was 2011 when the Minnesota Vikings um, missed out on their pick in the seventh overall pick of the first round. That's probably um, exactly what you would think would be the worst case scenario for a team to miss out on a first round draft pick. But I have to go and say, if a team is going to find some way to muck this up and miss their pick, how can your money not be on the Cleveland Browns? I mean, given all the ineptitude that that franchise has gone through, given the fact that you know Cleveland just always finds a way to take things that should be a sure thing and turn them into dog shit, I, I see Cleveland being the team that my money's on for having the most likely chance to muck up their draft. What about you? I you know that
0: that's probably the best the best bet out there. Um, I'm gonna say the New York Jets because i mean aren't they laughing stock they they're the team that is going to get zoom bombed and their general manager is going to be getting uh, he's going to be getting interviewed by espn and somebody's going to hack in and put a dick picture in his background or something like that uh, it's i can almost see it coming now but the the other one i was thinking is the cincinnati bengals Something's going to go wrong there because they're so old-fashioned and backwards. I mean, this is a team that doesn't even have a scouting department. They use their coaches as scouts. Now, I mean, how can you compete in the modern NFL without a built-out scouting department? Well, They don't have it. So if they don't even have a scouting department, I'm sure they don't use computers. They're probably using files and slide rulers over there. (laughs) And so just I'm willing to bet that they're just really far behind on technology.
1: Yeah, Cincinnati, that's a really good good destination as well for there to be a real muck up uh, when it comes to the draft coming up this week. It, I want something to happen. I just want something to go horribly wrong. I want, you know, and speaking of of draft miscues in the past, I want a repeat of like a a Laramie Tunsil scandal that happens right before the draft with the guy ripping, you know, massive bong hits out of a, uh, the gas <laughs> masks out there. I mean, that to me, and, and, and what's fun about this all is going to be it's all happening real time. It's all happening with people relying on technology. That you know, you can simulate this draft as much as you want to, but until you're actually going through it live and seeing how your bandwidth holds up and everything, we're just not going to know what's going to happen, what's going to go wrong. So I could see the Bengals easily being a team uh, that has a malfunction. You know, they're notoriously cheap, and you mentioned. Not having a scouting department, which again is a mind blowing uh, development in 2020, no wonder they haven't made the playoffs. You know, in forever, um, I, I agree that the and another the the, the the Jets out there could really be a good candidate to mess some things up. I think the Houston Texans could also have a foobar just based on the fact that Bill O'Brien seems to have concentrated so much power, and we're really not quite sure why. He's got all that power accrued. And you look at the moves he made trading away DeAndre Hopkins and paying a huge price to bring in Brandon Cooks. Um, I could easily see them being a team that like maybe they make a mistake in the sense that they draft like a punter in the second round, you know, like a misuse of draft capital. But there's going to be some situation that's going to go horribly wrong and it's going to be glorious as long as the Bills are not involved on that mistake coming up this week.
0: Yeah. Now, how do you hedge against those those issues? I I mean, I'm sure. Like I if, if I'm Brandon Bean, I am not using Wi-Fi. I'm going hardline everywhere. I, I'm installing the the highest end broadband there is in my house. I'm using a, a landline for the phone. I'm I'm making sure that nothing can go wrong. I'm gonna have backup generators in my place. <laughs> I there's you know, so much of your job as a journal manager is based on what you do in the draft. And then you've got the added issue of, you know, trying to communicate with not only your staff, but with other teams for making trades. I would be demanding that everybody in my front office be on the same page with, you know, eliminating all the risk, all the things that could possibly go wrong. You, you, you cross off as much as you can, and that starts definitely that starts with, with the technology that you're using. And Wi-Fi,
1: man, you just can't rely on it. Nope, get a, get a hard signal, get a hard connection. Work on, you, you can make things happen. These are billion-dollar owners. They can find a way to go on something besides a Wi-Fi, have their own home internet signal that's strong enough they can tap into and connect and have a, a virtual war room where there will be... A mistake-free environment for for the most part. Again, I'm sure there will be a mistake or two that pops up because we've never gone through a process like this. And really, you know, it's it's just it's it's a crazy time that we're all living in. Um, I'm still kind of surprised. Maybe not surprised because the NFL uh, wants all the attention and wants to get as much press as it can. But I'm a little bit surprised the NFL didn't push back the draft until May. Uh, You know. And, this, and the story came out today, the Bills are starting their off-season virtual uh, program today. So for whatever that means, you know, with what they're doing to stay fresh and get ready for whatever semblance of the 2020 season we have coming up. But that's kind of a good segue, Jamie, into this regime. You know, we, we always make fun of a little bit the fact that, you know, the Bills have had that mantra of trusting the process with head coach Sean McDermott and general manager Brandon Bean. And, and for the most part that's been warranted with the team making the playoffs in two of the last three years. Uh, there's a lot of confidence heading into this team in 2020, you know, coming off a 10 win season and making the playoffs and, you know, had the Texans on the rope and the wild card. And then they go out there and they add Stefan Diggs, and they add Mario Addison and Quentin Jefferson, and they bring back a whole bunch of talent, you know, on the defensive line and they re-sign Jordan Poyer and they bring back Quinton Spain. There's a lot of momentum heading for this team in 2020 there's a lot of optimism for this team in 2020. And it all starts with the regime of GM Brandon Bean and head coach Sean McDermott. They've given a lot of leeway from the fan base. Do you think, uh, Jamie, that the brass for Buffalo has earned that trust? They've earned that right and faith that Bill's fans have that they're going to make the right picks.
0: They definitely have. I mean, I don't, there's things that they do in the draft that conceptually or philosophically, I don't agree with, but I feel like the proof is in the pudding here in that they seem to be coming up with three to four starters every draft. And that that's really something you can hang your hat on. I mean, if you take a look at say last year's draft, they they ended up with four players, their top four picks, all starters coming into this upcoming season. That's fantastic, and not only are they starters, um, three of them are real impact players. You've got Ed Oliver, who's probably going to be a Pro Bowler at some point. Devin Singletary is a dynamic running back, and Dawson Knox, the best is yet to come. This guy is—he's an animal out there, Uh, whether he's blocking or going out for passes or flattening Cincinnati Bengals on his way down the sideline. He's a great player, and he hasn't. Uh, Obviously he's had the drops a little bit, but he's going to be outstanding coming up. And those last two, they were third round picks to uncover that kind of talent in the third round. Man, you know a thing or two and you've earned, you've earned
1: my trust at that point. I have an unwavering faith that when it comes to what the Bills are going to do with their 7 picks coming up this year, they've done their homework. They're not going to reach for somebody a little premature. If they do reach for somebody, it's because they feel justified in then that selection. You know, Buffalo has done a great job. I mean, you look at yeah, Matt Milano, a 5th round pick who has turned into a linebacker stud who we're we're talking about locking up to a long-term contract extension. You talk about Josh Allen even at the very top when he was You know, Bean was criticized for trading away capital and and moving up to number seven to pick Josh Allen. Well, I think of all the rookie quarterbacks that came out of that class, I'd much rather have Josh Allen on my team than Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen. Uh, Lamar Jackson being the one that I think is still, you know, has proven more, although he's got question marks too. But I feel like the Bills did their homework on Josh Allen. They know. What they're doing when it comes to how they spend this draft capital, they they value it so carefully, and they're so it's so rare for them to trade away a first round pick. You know, I know Doug Whaley did that to get Sammy Watkins, but this Bills regime cares deeply about those capital of the of the draft picks, and they don't want to trade away a first round pick unless they're going to make a big impact move, which they did with Stephon Diggs uh, being Buffalo's default first round pick in twenty twenty. So I have all the faith in the world that what Buffalo is going to do this weekend is going to be make this team better positioned for the first time in forever. There's no glaring holes where you say Buffalo must nail their draft. Otherwise, they're going to have to be counting on a lot of retreats and and, and cast-offs to fill off the roster and, and make them competitive. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting
0: spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to
1: fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the We just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
1: I can't wait to see what Buffalo does. Um, I feel like there could still be some trades. Bean loves to wheel and deal, and we'll get into that in a little bit here. But that's a good Kind of transition again to go from our trust in Brandon Bean to what he's actually going to do with those draft picks. And we talked about the fact that Stefan Diggs cost Buffalo the number 22 overall pick in the first round. Buffalo will not be drafting on Thursday night again, barring an unpredictable trade back into the first round, which would cost a lot of those picks to move up. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Buffalo is going to stay content picking on Friday, and their first of seven picks is number 54 overall. It's a 22nd pick in the second round. There's a lot of areas, Jamie, where Buffalo could go with this pick. What is your pie-in-the-sky dream scenario? Who do you want to see the team take with that 54th pick?
0: Well, yeah, this is, like, like you said, pie-in-the-sky, and every year, somebody who is assumed to go in the first round ends up dropping. Last year, you had DK Metcalf. People were talking about him being the first receiver taken. He dropped to the fourth round. That just shows you how much the pundits know. Um, so, in a in a scenario like that, if a guy that I'm hoping drops would be Ezra Cleveland, the offensive tackle from Boise. Uh, that guy, he's a big dude. Who's incredibly nimble. He's been talked about anywhere from the middle of the first round to the middle of the second round, man. I hope he makes it to the middle. Now I do want to say my favorite player in this draft is Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver from LSU. I I think he's going to turn out to be the best of this wide receiver class, but no way he makes it out of the first round. So I'm hanging my hat on Ezra Cleveland the offensive tackle as being my dream scenario at pick number 54.
1: And Jamie, you've been talking all along about the fact that, you know, Buffalo really is not as, as set. I mean, even though the offensive line is returning intact from in 2019 with Quentin Spain returning back to the team and they signed Daryl Williams from Carolina to compete at a tackle spot. And, and there's a lot of depth on this team, but there's, you know, there's still room to improve. I believe the bills came in if you want to give, credibility to pro football focus. I believe they were ranked 19th last year uh, in both run and pass blocking uh, abilities. So there's clearly a room for this team to, to improve. So you would go with a tackle, uh, an offensive lineman, which I think is an interesting uh, development. I, I, before I give you my pick, I want to banter about somebody that, again, I don't think Buffalo is going to go with, but we've seen so much hype over this position. It's the running backs. And I keep reading all these mock drafts that say Buffalo's gonna go for a J.K. Dobbins or a Jonathan Taylor. You know, there's a kid out of Utah, I believe Zach Moss, that there's been talked about for him possibly being a selection with the running back. I, I don't know. I just I don't see it. I don't see Buffalo going after a running back who's going to push Devin Singletary to the number two. Role because you don't spend a third round pick like the team did last year on a running back. Have him do so well. I know he only saw about 50% of the snaps, and maybe teams are the Bills fans are worried about his durability and can he hold up over an increased workload. I just don't think it's a good message to send that you're going to go out there and have uh, a running back who is going to supersede Devin Singletary as number one running back. So to me, I don't see the Bills using 54 at all on a running back.
0: I 100% agree that would be a huge overdraft of a position that is not one of need. Like I was saying, um, the Bills have been finding, they have been finding starters from the first three rounds of the draft. I expect that they're hoping that their first two picks are going to become starters and maybe not day one, but maybe by mid-season. And why would you put why would you put Singletary to the bench that's a, a position that you have well it's it's in good shape right now. So why eliminate another need where you could get a starter when instead you've already got a good running back in place. Would It wouldn't make sense to me.
1: There's there's draft. I mean, look, you can find running backs in the fifth round. You can find running backs in the sixth round. You know, there's all kinds of examples that we ran through during last week's podcast where it's like Buffalo can go out there and they don't have to spend a high draft pick on even, even a fourth round. I mean, Cam Akers from Florida State could be there along with Zach Moss and Josh Kelly in the fourth round when Buffalo comes picking. Even Eno Benjamin from Arizona State, he's a nice running back. These are nice little pieces out there, but I just don't think Buffalo needs to go out there and spend that kind of draft capital that early on a running back. I've seen them going for running backs in the second and third round, and to me I just don't see that being where Buffalo is going to go with that 54th overall pick. So to pull the cat out of the bag, the position I'm going with, Number fifty-four is an edge rusher, Terrell Lewis, out of Alabama, and now technically he's yeah. a linebacker. Technically, technically he's a linebacker, but this kid is a beast, and if he can stay healthy, now that's the major question mark with with Lewis. But that's the reason I think he'd be available at fifty-four as well. This kid, Lewis, has such a great first step from this from the tape that I've seen. He's explosive. He you know he bursts off the line of scrimmage. He's a great pass rusher, and he's somebody where. You talk about people falling every single year in the draft. I think to me, Lewis is the guy who's going to fall and maybe Buffalo has to trade up a little bit to get him. I don't know if he'll be there at 54, but I think there's a good chance he'll be there at 54 because this kid, as talented as he is, he's had injury problems uh, in his career. He missed all of 2017 or most of 2017. Then he had an ACL injury in 2018 that deprived him of the season. So there's definitely an injury risk. But this is where the trust comes in. I trust that if Buffalo takes Terrell Lewis, they've done their research, they've done their medicals, they know what his charts look like, and they know how healthy he's going to be to pick him. I feel like he is the heir apparent to Jerry Hughes, On that defensive line, the bills don't have that developmental young edge rusher on the roster. And plus this kid's speed is just, it's ridiculous. I feel like he is exactly what Buffalo needs with pick 54. He would overhaul that defensive line. He would give them that, you know, yes, Mario Addison's a nice stopgap. For the time being, but you want to find somebody who can be an absolute stud and, like, and he can do everything. He can play linebacker if you want him to as a stand up rush linebacker. He's a good base defensive end. He can also drop back solidly into pass coverage as well. But really, when it comes to it, I want Terrell Lewis because of his overall game, his ability to get after the quarterback, and the speed off the edge. He was unblockable in some of the games that you saw tape of with him at Alabama. So that's who I'm going with. Pick fifty four Terrell Lewis. And I know you you're a fan, right, Jamie?
0: Oh yeah, it, I am. I I love him uh as as an edge. You know, at six five, two sixty, you know, he is your prototype for what Sean McDermott runs on uh uh on defense. Occasionally you'll see uh you'll see those defensive ends dropping into coverage, and you know, this guy's explosive. Um he didn't do much at the combine, but one of the things he did was the uh was the vertical jump thirty seven inches from a guy who weighs two sixty. That's that's explosion out of that guy's legs. He, I think he would be a great addition to uh, to the Bills.
1: Absolutely, sign me up all day long for Terrell Lewis to overhaul and give inject some youth into that defensive end position, and give us a great young pass rusher to terrorize Sam Darnold and uh, you know Brian Hoyer and whoever the quarterbacks are in the AFC East. In 2020, which is still so weird to think that we have a non Tom Brady uh, led Patriots squad, but bring it on. Can't wait to see what the, happens with this Bills team. And of course, 54 is going to lead a long way towards what Buffalo can do for their on field success. Now, after pick 54, Jamie, the Bills have to wait a little bit until they're picking at pick 86. Again, the 22nd pick in the third round. And before I get your thoughts on who Buffalo can pick with that pick, with pick 86, we talked about this concept of the perfect draft for Buffalo. And you mentioned it, showing up the offensive line, taking a great available player who you can plug in and get a starter, and maybe they push Cody forward to the guard position, or you know, maybe they trade some of their guys like a Darrell Williams or a tie-in Shecky, Buffalo's great at getting value out of those veterans. Those veterans could be used to trade up and get higher in the draft, or they could be used to acquire additional draft picks. To me, when I think about the ideal draft for Buffalo, I've already given you my first key cornerstone. It's finding that young edge rusher who you can build around, and that way when Jerry Hughes does walk off into the sunset, you've got an instant replacement in-house who knows the team, who knows Leslie Frazier's defense and can step up and complement what Buffalo has to go along with the rest of that talent of Ed Oliver and company on the defensive line. To me, the next step that Buffalo needs to do to be ideal uh, with their draft results is, and we talked about this last week, get more competition at several positions led by the cornerback, getting a number two cornerback, getting a little bit more depth at running back later in the draft, getting depth along the offensive line, which you've already talked about with your draft pick selection here at, fi- at pick 54. And again, shoring up the secondary. So with all that being said, I know Buffalo needs help at the cornerback spot. When it comes to pick 84 or 86, rather I was torn as to where Buffalo should go on a, uh, a previous story that we all contributed for, I had Buffalo taking an interior offensive lineman, John Simpson, out of Clemson. And I like John Simpson a lot. Uh, he has a lot to bring to the table. He's a very durable, um, you know, he fought through injuries to earn second team all ACC last year. He's also a former high school state wrestling champion, which means Sean McDermott is getting a box checked off on his list for who he wants to see Buffalo take. And John Simpson is a very talented guard. He's somebody who could easily step in and contribute. And John Feliciano has one year left on his contract. He could get pushed out the wayside. If Quentin Spain doesn't perform like people think he will in 2020, Simpson could step in and replace him at the guard spot. So while guard is a very s- sneaky need you know, for Buffalo, it's hard not to go with a cornerback at this spot too. If you had to, Jamie, what are your thoughts on those positions? Uh, I'm thinking you might lean towards corner since you, already chose an offensive lineman at 54 but what are your thoughts
0: I agree those are all positions that need to be looked at but my biggest concern right now is still the line of scrimmage so with the third round if I could draw it up perfectly I think I would be looking at Jonathan Greenard out of uh, Florida He's another prototypical sized defensive end. He comes in at 6'3", 263. two sixty three. He's got really long arms at almost thirty five inches. He's been a productive college player. Uh, seems pretty quick. Now he's not the cleanest prospect, but you can't get clean prospects after you know the second round. And this is a guy who I think could, you know, like you said, uh, be the future of defensive end if he's coached up right. I would wait a little bit on cornerback because I believe this coaching staff, and in particular, Sean McDermott has shown that he can identify secondary talent and he can coach it up. Uh, so I think that they can probably wait on a corner until perhaps the fourth round and still get a guy who can get in there and eventually probably even
1: be a starter. Man, Greenard, he's a he's a sexy pick for you. I like that. He's somebody who's really a super rangy edge rusher. He could totally get after the quarterback. He's again, an explosive freak out there. And now granted, if they take Terrell Lewis, they're not going to take Jonathan Greenard, you know, one, two, obviously, but I like the way your mind is thinking there with adding an edge rusher who really fits what Buffalo wants to do and what Buffalo is able to do with their pass rushing. Uh, There's a bunch of other guys who could also be out there as well um, at the edge rushers. When it comes to it though, I, I, I go back and forth. I could see them picking a Bryce Hall, uh, from Virginia with pick 86. I really do like, a, I mean, this kid, you know, he had injuries last year, but coming out of his junior year, rather, he was a, a top quarterback prospect. He was at the, oh, hu- I like Bryce Hall and, and you know, you're in DC. So you, I'm sure you've seen a bunch of Virginia football and you know, you've seen the fact that this kid is just yeah. a freak of, of nature out there when it comes to his coverage abilities. <laughs> it's hard though, for me not to take John Simpson when it comes to that pick uh, for Buffalo in the in the third round, I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm going to stick with John Simpson, the guard out of Clemson, who can also play a little tackle spot if you need him to as well. But if Buffalo went for a Bryce Hall as a cornerback, or you know, I don't think they're going to take Jalen Johnson in the second round, the corner out of Utah. I think you're right; they're going to wait a little bit for a cornerback spot to come up. I don't think they're going to take Trevon Diggs out of Alabama either. There's been a lot of talk about Buffalo drafting Stephon Diggs's younger brother. Uh, Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama, who is a great corner. He's physical. He's six foot one. He does check off a lot of those boxes that you want as a a talented corner. But I don't know. I just don't see them taking a corner in that high of a position. I think they're going to wait a little bit until some guys happen to follow their way. And so for me, I'm going to go with John Simpson in the third round. And then maybe uh, Buffalo is able to leverage some of their later draft capital and trade back up. And maybe they can take a Bryce Hall in the fourth round if he's still there, or even the tail end of the third round. Remember, last year, Buffalo did this with their tight end position, drafting up, trading up rather to get Dawson Knox.
0: Uh, now, you've touched on something that is, it's is... It's been stuck in my craw for a little while with this regime, which is, it seems to me like they fall in love with players, and they're willing to overpay in order to move up. I don't like that philosophy. It obviously has worked. They've traded up to get Josh Allen, but they may not have needed to trade up to get Josh Allen. I think I, I am of the belief, especially after the first, maybe even the second round, you can't outsmart the draft board there's just too many variables that play into whether or not a player is going to be successful and here's the other thing 48 player i'm sorry 48% of the players in the NFL were drafted on the third day or are undrafted free agents so you pretty much have the same likelihood of landing success on your day 3 pick as you do your day 2 pick so why would you give up extra picks when those players could end up stepping in and being a major part of your team? Uh, Stefan Diggs was a fifth round pick. You mentioned Matt Milano, another fifth round pick. These are guys that are excellent players, pro bowl caliber players, and they were taken late in the draft. I think you got to wait. You got to let the draft fall to you. Don't fall in love with the player because it's... It's a bit of a crapshoot as to whether or not they're going to develop. And by keeping your picks, you're hedging against those players that are going to be unsuccessful. The jury's still out on Cody Ford. It looks at this point like he's not going to be able to play right tackle in the NFL. That was probably not a person to trade up for. Zay Jones, they traded way up for him. He's probably going to end up out of football after this season. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. You know, you bring up some interesting points there, Jamie, when it comes to the draft capital and trading in a way, um, you know, and we, we, we rightfully maligned Doug Whaley for trading away, um, trading up on giving away a first round pick and a future first round pick to go up and get Sammy Watkins out of Clemson in a wide receiver, rich draft class. And I don't, you know, I, I'm with you in the fact that Cody Ford, the jury is still out on him. He was the supposed mauler who was going to solidify the right tackle spot for the next decade. And I, I want to give him another chance. I think Buffalo is hedging their bets enough by bringing in Daryl Williams, who two years ago had a very solid season. and could easily be a good replacement if Ford cannot ha- handle the right tackle spot. And maybe they have to slide him inside to one of the guard positions. When it comes to trades, I think you have to differentiate it by where the trade happens and what they give up. Obviously, you know, we've talked about the risk and it it doesn't seem like it pays out to trade, you know, give up picks to trade back into the second round or the first round. Even if you love the guy you're going after, chances are there's going to be good competition that are comparable to that pick later in the draft without giving up all of those precious draft picks out there. But to me, the difference is I'm fine this year if Brandon Bean trades away a bunch of the later picks. Now, you can argue the value is definitely not there as much with a seventh or a sixth round draft pick. But I would say with Buffalo having a pick in the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, two in the sixth, and one in the seventh, the Bills only really, in my opinion, need to add four or five players from this draft class to this roster based on the depth that they've assembled. So if they can package, you know, the two sixes and the five and go move back up into the end of the third or early fourth round to get somebody who really is an impact player, we don't need any more special teams guys on this roster. You know, The Bills have so many guys who fit that bill of being, I mean, they signed Tyler Mankiewicz as a linebacker to be their special team standout. They got Taiwan Jones. They brought back as a special team standout. They have Robert Foster as of right now, as a special team standout, the Bills have enough special teams players. I want them with this draft to go out there and nab again, a couple of guys who are going to be starters or push for the starter role, which I feel Terrell Lewis and John Simpson would highly do for this team. And I want to see them get quality, quality, over quantity. So for me, if they leave this draft with only four or five players and they've traded some of those lower picks to get back in the fourth round, that's a win for me.
0: I absolutely hear you. I I look at it a little bit differently. I think that there's a, a solid 9 to 10 positions still open on this roster. And I just I think that you can use all seven of those picks and create as much competition as possible with the free agents that you brought in. And if the players aren't going to make it, perhaps you can trade and perhaps you can stash them on the uh, on the practice squad. But I think that there's still a lot of holes on this team and a lot of places where the depth could be improved upon. And that's what I'm talking about. You know, I'm not saying that there's. Going to be nine new starters. I think there's nine depth pieces that you can probably improve upon. But you know that's how you win in the NFL because you have to have the depth. The Bills were incredibly healthy last year. It was almost an anomaly how how incredibly few games were missed by starters. Um, you just. You're going to regress back to the average on that, and I would like to see them improve depth in in a few positions.
1: Well, the fun starts coming up on Thursday night—the first round of the NFL draft, the first ever virtual draft. Due, of course, again due to the pand- pandemic known as the coronavirus, the Bills have seven picks as it currently stands, and again. Bills fans can expect Buffalo, if they stay at pick 54, to be drafting somewhere around the 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern range on Friday night. You can, of course, go to buffalorumblings.com for all the latest draft coverage. Uh, You can get involved with this podcast. Share your thoughts. Who do you want Buffalo to pick with number 54? What are your thoughts on trading up? trading down what is your ideal draft look like for the buffalo bills we've given you our thoughts here we want to have our fans engage with us with their thoughts as well jamie thanks as always for your insights and we really appreciate you coming on and uh, and giving some good draft breakdown here for a bunch of casual fans like we are
0: happy to be here man love doing the show with you buddy
1: Yeah, me too. Right back at you. That was a good time. Good time talking the draft. We'll see what Buffalo does in the 2020 draft. Again, in the meantime, comment on this story with your thoughts on the draft. Make sure to get involved with us on social media by following Jamie at The Jamie D'Amico. I am at John Boccasino. You can find us, of course, on social media and, of course, on BuffaloRumblings.com. For my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I'm John Boccasino signing off on Bill Eve, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast.